There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo. And today I am thrilled to introduce a true powerhouse in the world of food service, none other than Patrick Day. Patrick's story is one of resilience, starting from owning and running restaurants to climbing the ladder and reaching the pinnacle as one of Cisco's top sales reps nationwide. I mean, this guy, he not only excelled, but one year even nailed the number one spot Talk about impressive. But wait, it gets even more fascinating. Patrick now serves as the vice president and general manager at Giordano's Food Service, a company with a legacy that spans over 100 years. Can you believe that? He manages a a team of around 290 talented individuals driving the ship in an industry that's constantly evolving. With Patrick's experience, I think you will find in today's episode that he has a real tangible advice for any food service salesperson looking to grow in our industry. From the daily grind of running restaurants to now steering a big ship like Giordano's, his experience and insights, they're they're pure gold. His journey and leadership reflect the very heart of the food service industry and his knack for innovation and strategy is something that we can all learn from. So get ready as Patrick and I dive into his wealth of experience and pick his brain here on the Tides of Food Service podcast. Thank you for listening along. Let's go ahead and welcome Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and meet with me. Happy to be here, Nick. Thank you. I've seen a couple of your programs already. It's a, it's a great, uh, great program you have. Thank you so much. All right. So I, I like to start off with what I call the fiery five food service questions. So these are just fun questions. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Okay. So the first one is rank these five SoCal restaurant chains without knowing what comes next. So these are five restaurant chains that started in California. The first one is Yard House. One through five, how would you rank that one? Five. (laughs) The next one is In-N-Out. One. I'd also probably go one on that. Uh, Johnny Rockets. Rockets. Uh, Four. Wahoos. Three. And the last one is the Habit Burger. Two. All right. So in and out the Habit Burger, Wahoos, Johnny Walkers, and then Yard House. Now what comes after? <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> now, what if, what if you had to survive on only one type of cuisine for the rest of your life, which would you choose and why? Um, hmm, one type of cuisine. Yes. I would probably choose Italian because it's um, fresh, healthy. The products are amazing that you blend together, and it's very easy to put together a health and and um, wellness kind of a diet program with the Italian. Yeah, that's a good point. Have you ever been to Italy before? I have. My wife and I did Italy, I want to say 2017, 2016. We did about almost three weeks. Wow. Where'd you go? <laughs> Where didn't we go? But. Uh, but the bulk of it was Rome, uh, Venice, Florence. Mm-hmm. My wife's family is originally from Trieste. So we went all the way up to the top to visit up in Trieste. And that's where we found Illy Coffee. 
what I consider the best coffee around is Ely. Yeah. So we spent some time up in Trieste to see where her father was baptized and that kind of thing. So we had a great time. Oh, that's amazing. I, I've seen Illy at a few places, especially throughout LA. I think in Beverly Hills, I've seen it once. Um, I think they have a pretty good footprint here. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Illy is a great coffee, great cappuccino. It's, it's just a really great product. Totally. So it was founded in Tria? Trieste. Yeah. Trieste. Yeah. Interestingly enough. We, and we did not know that. And uh, we were walking the square and we had gone to the church to see where our father was baptized. And as we're coming down, I'm like, I need a cappuccino somewhere. And off to the left in a little side alleyway was their school where they train all the baristas and do all their roasting. And it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. If you look at the can on the back, it'll say Trieste. Okay, good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just recently went with my wife to Italy and we were there for about 10 days. And, you know, the Italian cuisine, it, it could be carb heavy, but I feel like everything we ate there, it's just kind of clean ingredients. And your my body just felt a lot better after eating that as opposed to, you know, many of the things that I eat here in the U.S. Um, it's just it's just cleaner overall. It really is. And, and um, you know, it could be it could I think I think that's part of the problem. I think a lot of people think. Like, like you just mentioned, it's carb heavy, right? Because yeah. they're thinking pasta and they're thinking pizza. But the way Italians do it in Italy is it's sort of an accoutrement that goes along with it, right? And so the carb is not that big, massive plate of spaghetti and meatballs. It's, it's the dish that goes with it and it's light and it's just, it's just different. But aside from that, um, the seafood and the, the, the center of the plate, the meat and the, the veal, it's just tremendous. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Now, if you could think back on your career, what's one of the funniest or most memorable sales mishaps or bloopers that you've witnessed or experienced? Sales mishap or bloopers? I remember years ago, I when I first got into the business, I think it was my first year or two, I drove down to San Diego and I was visiting the Hard Rock Cafe and I was showing a canned tuna product. And I remember I put on my gloves to, to do a cutting with the chef and I had a little hand can opener, started opening it up and I cut my thumb and blood went all into the tuna. And I, I remember looking at the chef and going, I'm probably not getting the sale today. And she's like, <laughs> no, not today. I was like, okay, yeah. I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I just, as we talk, it might come back to me, but I can't yeah. think of something yeah. right now that's a blooper or mishap. For sure, for sure. What about any food trends that you see here in, in Southern Cal? Any ones that you like? You know, I do. I, I think I think there's I do believe wholeheartedly that the sustainability in organic is here to stay and it's uh -huh. growing. I think I think it grew pretty dramatically in the last three to five years and it's tailing off a little bit. And I think it's I think it might I hate to say it's not coming down, right? I mean, I think it was hitting some serious heights, plant based was hitting some serious serious heights and and I just think it's no longer it's no longer driving up at that exponential rate, but I think it's leveling off. But that said, um, every restaurant, every restaurant I go into, and I go into eat, my wife and I eat out four or five times a week, is putting something on that's that's heart healthy, that's conscious, that's plant based in some way, shape, or form. It could be something that's that's sold to them as plant based, you know, patty or Beyond Burger or whatever that may be. Or it could be their own. I was just in a restaurant yesterday that that um, had a beautiful um, cauliflower steak, 
right? I mean, there, somebody's doing something everywhere. And I think, I think that's only going to grow and, and grow just because society is headed that way in general. Yeah, I, I agree. It's funny, the manufacturers that I represent, they always view California as more uh, progressive when it comes to food trends. You know, we, we, we grasp things like sustainability, organic, plant-based, a lot of times before other parts of the country do. That's a fact. Uh, to, to the good and to the detriment, it can go both ways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when it comes to, so this is a question I get all the time, is around hiring sales professionals. Would you rather hire someone who has zero experience in food service sales and train them yourself or have your your team train them or hire someone with multiple decades of food service sales experience, but pay more for that individual? I personally um, take the center of the road. I actually, we, we look for sales folks that have a little bit of both. I don't like just one or the other. I think it's, I think they're both difficult. I truly do. You hire somebody with no sales experience with with great um, food background, they can go talk to talk and have that conversation with the chef, but but then they don't quite know how to put all the numbers together and do it right. You have somebody who's who's been in sales for a long time, but can't talk to talk. Um, even though they've been in sales, they think they know how it works and what they should do and shouldn't do. I haven't been a chef for as long as I was a chef and a restaurant owner. Having somebody come in to me, I can tell right away whether they had a background in cooking, whether they didn't, or they were just trying to sell me something because they were trying to hit a goal for their their week. I mean, so there's a big difference. I prefer to, to err on the side of training them as I go, but prefer a little bit middle of the road. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there characteristics, characteristics that you look for in somebody to do food service sales? In my experience, hiring people, this is a it is a sales position, but it's not easy, you know, going out and going restaurant to restaurant, talking to chefs, you know, they're very much, you know, they're artists in their own way and, and, and dealing with all the different personalities, getting, you know, figuring out logistics. So what are maybe some characteristics that you look for in somebody? I'm looking for somebody who, who again, has some kind of an understanding as to how chefs talk. I call it chef speak. I mean, I did it. It's chef speak. And, and chefs can they can, they can cut through it and sense if you know what you're talking about or don't know what you're talking about. When it comes to the food, they may not be able to understand and have a conversation when it comes to the bar supplies or the equipment. But when it comes to the food, they can cut through and they can tell whether this guy's giving me a pile of what and or not. So, so somebody that can, can easily talk and can, and, can, and can share information without feeling uncomfortable about sharing information. I also recognize um, you want to look for somebody. I want to look for somebody who's willing to admit they made a mistake, admit they may not know, but then also at the same time, if they don't know, they know where to get the answer or how to get the answer. I don't want somebody to come in and say, hey, chef, don't know what you're talking about. I'll get back here or drop the sale as opposed to, hey, chef, don't know when we're going to get that, but I'll find out this afternoon and I'll get it back to you. So they know how to get that answer and, and not feel uncomfortable doing that. Um, and then you're always looking for somebody who can, you know, there's that phrase out there. I don't know who said it, but it's a great phrase. It says, listening to learn as opposed to listening to respond. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a big difference. I'm looking for people that listen to learn um, from the from folks. And you can tell when you're talking to somebody, if they're jumping right back or they're giving you a quick answer, they're, li they're listening to respond as opposed to listening to learn and understand. So there's a big difference. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that goes, it, it's very important in food service to have that, food service sales to be able to hear your customer and understand what they're looking for and become a resource or an asset to them. 
because when you can do that, you become more important to them. Maybe they give you some more business. Maybe your business with them lasts longer. Uh, so there's all very important things. Well, you know, it's, you know, it, there's a phrase out there. It's consultative selling. I mean, the yeah. concept is to be a consultant and to, to hopefully grow and understand the relationship that you have with the customer so that you're their partner. You're their, you're dedicated to their business um, and work from the premise that, that, if you grow their business, you yourself will grow as opposed to trying to grow you first than them. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now you were in the restaurant business prior to getting into the distribution business. Is that correct? That's correct. It was for a long time. <laughs> and you owned your own restaurant. I owned a couple of them. I was partners in a couple of different restaurants, um, a couple in San Diego and then um, in Arizona. I, I moved over to Arizona for a couple of years and opened up uh, two restaurants. Had one for a year year and a half, but I had the other one for 22 years. I was partners with 22 years in the steakhouse in Arizona. And then in San Diego, some of the, I opened up my own restaurant with my dad and my, my good friends over in the PB area. Um, had it there for about a year and a half. And then I was partners in for a short period of time before I left in the Jake's, the Jake's down in Chula Vista that was used to be there back in the day. Oh, wow. Did you like the restaurant business? Oof. Love the restaurant business. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got into it as, like I said, I, I, I got into it as a chef, went to culinary school and, and uh, came out and fell in love with it. You know, I went to college. College wasn't for me, except for playing, hanging out with the basketball team at San Diego State. You know, I was, I was there all the time. And, you know, there's a thing about college, right? If you don't go to class, they tend to let you go. That's true. Yes. Which they, they want you to go to class for some reason. I haven't quite figured that out, but, <laughs> but, uh, I always had an excuse. I was always over on the other side of campus playing, playing with the basketball team and, and hanging out. And I ended up actually getting, getting let go. Um, they kicked me out of, kicked me out of school. And, um, it was a little bit hard for me because, um, at the time my father was president of San Diego state. Oh, wow. He didn't know. He was told by his Dean. I didn't tell my dad. And, uh, he was told by his dean of students um, a couple of months after I had been told I couldn't go to school there anymore because I wasn't attending class. And he uh, came to me and gave me some great fatherly advice and said, um, listen, I don't care where you go to school. Just go and find what you love to do and do it. And I went to culin- uh, culinary uh, class at uh, Grossmont Community College, took a couple of them, fell in love with it, and um, ended up going to culinary school in Vermont and got into the restaurant business from there. Wow. I- one po- point of difficulty turned into uh, opportunity. It seems like, yeah, it turned in it turned into a great opportunity. And then you know, I chefed you know around. I was in San Francisco for a while and worked at the Hotel Dell and Bon Appetit Catering, largest catering company in California. And then you know, got to work with TS Restaurants, Jake's, Chemos in Hawaii, Dukes, and the rest of them. And and uh, had an opportunity to move to Arizona, Prescott, Arizona, and partners and I opened up um, or took over the palace in Prescott, Arizona. It's on Whiskey Road. It's the oldest bar west of the Mississippi. And we turned it back into its original steakhouse and had that for 22 years. So I had a great time. And then came back to San Diego, opened a restaurant in PB and lost about everything and uh, recognized I needed a little time away. And I took some time off mm-hmm. and uh, um, I actually worked with my wife for a year. She's an escrow, was an escrow at the time. And I worked in escrow just to go find myself. And Cisco Foods came calling. Friends of mine were vice president and managers there and said, come work for us. And I was like, I'm not in sales. I'm not a sales guy. And, and my good, very good friend, still good friend today. He was the former vice president of sales said to me, Patrick, 
if you don't recognize that a chef is in sales by selling your specials and talking to your customers and coming out and visiting and greeting them, then you're crazy. I said, you know what? It kind of makes a little sense. And so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a year. If I like it after a year, I'll stay. If I don't, I'm going to leave. And he said, great, not a problem. First year I was rookie of the year. So it worked out pretty well. <laughs> you mentioned that everything kind of came crumbling down before uh, you, you, then you joined your wife in escrow and then moved over to distri uh, distribution sales. What is maybe something you learned about yourself in that time? You know, one of the things I learned most is, is you've got to be able to step back and recognize that you're sometimes doing too much. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get to that point in time, I was, I was in the kitchen. I was the prep cook. I was the dishwasher. I was the line cook. Um, it literally got to a point where there was one moment in time where I had to, uh, I caught pneumonia. And um, I couldn't work and I kept coming in and kept coming in because I felt there was nobody there. And I actually called a, who's a very good friend of mine now. He's in San Diego and he runs one of the best restaurants, French restaurants in town, Kenny Irvine. And he uh, came in and actually ran the restaurant from the kitchen for three days for me, gratis, just because he was a great guy and, and friend. And, and I realized then and there that you can't do it all, even though you want to pay the bills you know, hire the people, fire the, get the vendors, the whole nine yards. As, as, a, as an owner operator, it's very, very, very difficult to do everything. And you got to figure out how to delegate some of that stuff to, to other people that you trust. My uncle, he's purchased a meat market a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And I, I see that, you know, as he's evolved as an entrepreneur, he worked for a protein redistributor for many, many years and can sell anything. I mean, the man is an incredible sales professional. Now running your own business, completely different story. And he had a lot of that kind of doing everything from cutting the meat to the customer service to the cashier. And he found himself at the end of the day, you know, very tired and many, many days working. And now as he's gotten, getting better at becoming an entrepreneur, he's learning, hey, I got to delegate here. I need to find someone who's better th than me at, at a certain, maybe at, me, at cutting meat or running the cashier, things like that. Yeah. It's a, it's an important thing that a lot of people think, especially chefs. I mean, chefs think they can do it all mm -hmm. and they get rolling and uh, they forget that by doing it all, they're neglecting most of their employees and the things that matter. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's a thing. It's a big thing out there. So talk to me about what your current position is, what you're doing nowadays and what does that look like? Sure. I am um, and have been for the last two years, vice president and general manager of Giordano's Food Service. We are the um, claim to fame is it's 108 years old, family owned still. It's the second oldest whole, wholesale distributor, broadliner in, in um, Santa Barbara County and uh, Central Coast, as a matter of fact. And we're one of the top 50 broadline distributors in the country, as a matter of fact. And so for me, it's kind of a natural progression. I was, in, I was a salesperson on the street for a long, you know, about 10, 13 years in San Diego. Worked my way up to vice president of uh, contract sales and then vice president of all sales for San Diego. And then when Cisco did their whole realignment, I was their region director of contract sales for the Southern California region. And then Giordano's came. So it's a natural progression to, 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 to run, run the company. Broadline distributor. So I oversee 290 employees now from the drivers to the warehouse to the buyers, to marketing, to finance, to the sales folks. I oversee it all. Great company. The family culture is impressive. Just impressive. We have, you know, I, I remember when I came on board, they said, hey, um, they called it a veteran company. And uh, I like that. 
that they use the word veteran company. And I said, uh, what does that mean? They said, well, you'll see. You know, my, my director of operations has been with the company over 32 years. Uh, director of purchasing been with the company over 34 years. Vice president of sales been with the company over 34 years. When I came on board, we had two sales folks that retired after 40 years each. So people, people don't retire when they come here. And it's because of the inclusive culture that they, that they take care of their employees and their vendors and their um, suppliers really, really well. I mean, it's, so I oversee the whole, the whole shebang and uh, it's been a great, 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 uh, great thing for me. I really enjoy it. Yeah. 108 years. Is that that 108 years. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Did they start as a broadline distributor? No, uh, Giordano started 108 years ago as one grocery store down on State Street. They got to 18 grocery stores. And then the current CEO who comes to work every day, uh, Monday through Friday, he's 88 years old, comes in every day at 8.30 and leaves at 3. Um, Pete made a decision in the late 60s, early 70s that, that the way to go was into wholesale as opposed to as opposed to the stores, because he saw that the Vons and the Albertsons and the Krogers were getting bigger. And so they shifted and um, they got into the broadline distribution and, and we've been growing ever since. And so it's, yeah, 108 years. It's a, it's an impressive thing to see. Yeah, it really is. I didn't realize it was that it's been around that long. Yeah. It's, and they're very, and they should be, I mean, they're, they, they worked really hard at it. They have a great name in the central coast. Um, they do a great job. They really care for not just the employees, but the, the local citizens and in, in everywhere that they touch. They're very much into the nonprofits. They're very they're embedded in the in the community. I mean, talk about a, mm-hmm. a community name. They are it in in the Central Coast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And for those listening for, and maybe not familiar with Jordanos, maybe live in other parts of the country. I could definitely attest as a, a third-party observer how strong and uh, Giordano's is and, and the relationships and the quality of service. And Giordano's is definitely viewed in a very high regard. And on the sales side, a, a distributor that a lot of vendors want to work with. And I appreciate that. It, it really is. I mean, we're actually at that time of year where where our teams actually sits down. And I don't think a lot of distributors do this anymore, but they actually sit down and have business reviews with all of our preferred vendors and talk to them and how'd the year go? And we, we go back and forth and discuss it either Zoom or face-to-face. I mean, it used to be always face-to-face, right? Until pandemic came, but but really want to know what we're doing well and what we're doing wrong and how we can grow and how we can grow in the partnership. And it's an important thing for them to, it, it covers everything, right? And a lot of the a lot of the big ones, the Cisco's and the US Foods and the PFG's, they, they do that at a different level and they don't do it down to the OPCO level anymore. And, and it's, it's a, I think it's important. I think the relationships mm-hmm. are as vital to our vendors and suppliers as they are to our customers, as they are to our employees. It's all, we got to all do it together. Yeah. And you mentioned you managed 290 people. Give or take, yeah. That is a lot of people. That is not, not easy to do. How do you manage that? Well, again, I, I, you know, I have, uh, I have a great staff, great, a great team of people that work with me. Like I said, um, I stepped into a very good situation because the people that are my direct reports, the you know, vice president of sales, director of purchasing and, and marketing, the director of the warehouse, all 32 plus years with the company and most of them in the same position. Director of uh, finance, she's been with the company 16, I think, years. So they do the bulk of the work. They work hard. I'm here to support them more than anything and, and give them um, what they need to, to do their stuff. 
Um, and they do it very, very well. Um, they're some of the best I've ever seen anywhere in all aspects of it. And, and I'm just I'm just the guy that's there to support them. And I call it blocking and tackling. I'm keeping people out of their way so they can do their job and, and hopefully hopefully make it better for them. So that's the, that's the goal. I think we do it pretty well. So it's a daily thing. It's a daily chore. Mm-hmm. When it comes to people considering the food service industry or maybe have not considered the food service industry, what advice would you give to them, especially coming on the sales side? Is there any sales tips or advice that you would give on how to be successful in doing this? You know, one of the things I learned at Cisco, as a matter of fact, um, which I live by today, I learned it just on my own, just sort of I was there, but I, I was watching a lot of their training because, you know, when I was at Cisco 19 years ago or 20 years ago, they had a different program than they have now, right? It was it was an eight-week program of actual training, right? And I remember uh, another broker who's still a good friend of mine, um, Angel Zapata, said mm-hmm. back in the day, he said to me, learn how things work before you try to sell. And I never forget that. And whenever we hire a new person in our sales division, I always say the same thing. Spend the first three to six months learning how we actually work physically. And I mean that literally. Physically, how do we place an order in our computer? How do we do a pickup? How do we do a credit? How do you get a sample out of the warehouse? How do you talk to a broker? How do you make a phone call to the manufacturer? How do you do a routing request? That all takes time. The sales will come as you do that. If you don't put if you can, if you can somehow, and I know it's hard in today's world, um, and I, I did this on my own. I, I firmly believe this. I went into sales, and I think that what made me successful at doing it and, and getting to the levels that I got was I never, ever worried about the commission or the paycheck. I spent my entire time worrying about how things worked and how it got to the customer and made the customer look, feel, and, 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 and enjoy. The paycheck and the commission will come. If you do that, it will come. Don't worry about that because the minute you worry about that, you will charge them more. You will make a mistake on the credit. You will do something wrong because you're worried about that. I made, didn't make enough today. I didn't uh, sell enough today. I didn't charge enough today. No, 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 no. Worry about how things work and how they get to your customer and take care of your customer first. The pay will come. The commissions will come. The success will come. Whatever, whatever you're tracking or feel important. So I always tell sales folks today, spend the first three to six months understanding how things work. The sales are going to come. Customers are going to call you. You're going to going to go knock on the doors. That's going to happen. But worry about how things work first. Yeah. Almost kind of like investing back into yourself, you know, investing the time into learning. And uh, it may be, you're right, maybe not charging as much, delaying that gratification. But what you're trying to build is momentum over long periods of time. I think it sounds like there's a lot of people in at Giordano's that have bought into that philosophy of, you know, doing, <clears throat> becoming an expert, what they do for long periods of time. Well, you know, it's, it's about building, literally it's about building relationships. It's not about selling. It's about mm-hmm. building the relationship with whoever it may be, whether again, it's the sales rep building the relationship with the customer, um, building the relationship with the dishwasher, with the bartender, with the manager, with the broker, with the rep, with with whatever. It's building the relationship first. It's earning the trust of a person you're saddling up with next to you day in and day out. You earn that trust, you'll get the sale. You get the sale, you'll make money. But if you sit there and think about trying to make money first and, and, and how much commission am I going to get on this if I add it to the truck, you'll let yourself down, you'll let your customer down more importantly, and they won't survive without you. Yeah. 
When you look back on your career, is there a moment that comes to mind that you're proud of or something that sticks out that was memorable, very memorable to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proudest, you know, and it, it was never a big fanfare. It wasn't anything like it. But there was a moment in time when I was in the president's office at Cisco and he made the comment that uh, offhand, it was just an offhand comment that I had um, put in a year that was the top salesperson in the country at the time. And, um, you know, I had only I had only set my goal to grow as much as I could at Cisco San Diego and Cisco San Diego. And I grew and I grew and I grew. I was very proud of the fact that uh, one, that it wasn't it wasn't a, a big thing. Right. It was just just another one of those things that I clicked off. Right. I clicked off. I'd worked year in and year out and got better and got better and got better and got better with the support of just a huge group of individuals um, around me from the buyers to the, the the support staff inside the will call folks. I mean, they all helped the transportation. They all helped. And you don't, I don't, it's not like a, it was a goal I set that I wanted to be the, the guy. But then when I heard that, I was like, you know what? <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Cisco's got thousands of employees. It was, a, it was, you know, it was a moment in time. That was, for, that was sure. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I, I, I took a lot away from today. I loved your tips and advice and, and you know, how you got into the industry. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely, Nick. I was I'm happy that you, you reached out. and It was great chatting with you. And, and uh, if there's anything I can ever do for you, just, just don't hesitate to reach out. Sounds good. Thank you, Patrick. All right. Thanks. Thanks.